The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today. And as we kick off, just realize it is a holiday weekend. We're coming up on the 4th of July. I hope you have a great time celebrating with friends, family, whatever that looks like for you. But we are going to uh, still pause from the Gospel of Luke. It's been a couple weeks since we've been in it, uh, but we will jump back in next week, I promise. Uh, What I want to talk about today, though, is something very simple. But before we get into that topic, I have a question for you, and it's going to sound a little weird. It's going to sound a little out there, but you'll see eventually where I'm going. And and here's the question. People that love to wear flip-flops, people that love to wear flip-flops in the summer, it's comfortable, they enjoy it, it keeps their feet cool. Have you ever been the person who had flip-flops, but you were walking down a dirt road? Have you ever had flip-flops on, on a dirt road. In a backyard, on pavement, flip-flops are incredible. On a dirt road, it is disgusting. Sandals on a dirt road just don't work because by nature, they're flipping the dirt up all over your feet. When you get to wherever you're going, you walk in and you realize, my feet are disgusting. They're covered in dirt because I had the wrong shoes on. Just walking through life, I got dirty because of the shoes that I was wearing. The reason I ask you that question, and I think anyone who's ever done this, you know what I'm talking about. The reason I ask this question is because in first century Palestine, yes, shoes did exist at this point, but 99.9% of people walked around in sandals. That's what you wore. Desert climate, you walked on dirt roads or dirt paths everywhere you went. Had Rome created a few paved roads? Yes, but none of them in Palestine. So you walked from the beginning of the day to the end of the day in your sandals. Anytime you came into your home, just like when you wear your flip-flops on a dirt road, anytime you came into your home, your shoes were covered in sand and dirt, your feet were covered in sand and dirt. So right by the door of any home in Palestine, there would be a bowl and a towel, a bowl and a towel there to wash your feet, to get the dirt off your feet that you picked up just from doing life. You washed your feet at that moment, and it was very important. Otherwise, you'd track it all through your house. So everyone knew this. Homes that were a little more affluent, that had servants, the servants would meet you at the door, and they would actually wash your feet. And this is all the setup for the passage I want to start with today. On Jesus' last night on earth, he gathered his disciples together and they had a meal. We call it the Last Supper. It was a beautiful time, but there was a problem. Leading up to the meal, as they were heading to the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, as they were heading to the home to have this meal, the disciples for the umpteenth time were fighting over who was the greatest. Who was going to get to sit at Jesus' right hand? Who was going to get to sit at his left hand? They, they came in the house and they were fighting over who would get those literal seats at the meal. They couldn't get out of their own way. And so Jesus decided to teach them a lesson. In this particular home, there were no servants. No one volunteered to help wash everyone's feet. So what did Jesus do? He got up and he himself began to go around the table and wash the feet of his disciples. An incredibly beautiful picture of humility, an incredibly beautiful picture of servanthood. 
Jesus is showing them, if you want to be the greatest, you're bickering over seats and positions and things that don't matter. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the servant of all. And instead of saying it again, as he had multiple times, Jesus is now going to show it. And he's going to fulfill the role or the duty of the lowest servant in the house. And Jesus should never have to do this, but he needs his disciples to understand what's going on. And in the midst of this picture, we're taught a lesson. Jesus gives us some great truth as he washes his disciples' feet. John chapter 13, verses 6 through 10. Jesus came to Simon Peter. Okay, Peter's the unassumed leader of the disciples. He's the outspoken one. Peter's watched Jesus wash the feet of several other disciples. And when Jesus got to him, Peter asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. You can't understand this completely. But later you will understand. No, Peter just heard that he was going to get his feet washed. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You can't do it. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, now we're getting figurative. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, according to that, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but get my hands and get my head as well. I want to hold back. If being with you means being washed by you, don't just get my feet, get all of me. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And Peter, you're clean. Now, most commentators believe that the bath that Jesus is referring to is baptism. I have no issue with that. We don't know for a fact, though, that Peter was baptized. We, we don't know that for sure. We think he was, probably even by Jesus, but we don't know that for sure. And so instead of saying it's just baptism, what does baptism symbolize? Baptism is the outward expression of an inward faith in Jesus. And it is that inward faith that cleans one, that cleanses one's soul, that allows one to be saved. Faith in Jesus by the grace of God is what saves us. It's what makes us clean. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, you're already good. You have professed your faith in me. You have declared that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. You are good. You're clean. Anyone who's clean, anyone who's had that bath, anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus is good to go. But they still, they still need to wash their feet. Why? Because even those who are clean, even those who are good, even those who are walking in faith with Jesus, just by walking down the road, just by doing life, your feet are going to get dirty. They're going to get dirty and they need to be cleaned. You still are wearing sandals on a dirt road, Peter. You're good, but I have some work that I need to daily do with you. Now, understanding that Jesus is trying to teach a lesson here, not just about having clean feet. We have to see that the dirt that we pick up by just living this life the dirt that we acquire on our feet just because we walk through a filthy world needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed on a regular basis because this world is filthy. 
There's all kinds of dirt out there that sticks to us. Sometimes we don't even know that the dirt is sticking to us. Just like when you're walking down a road in flip-flops, you're like, I didn't realize how disgusting my feet were getting. It just happened. There's a lot of dirt out there. We're constantly bombarded with the lies of this world, constantly. We're told that gratification is essential for happiness. We're told to take what we can now and don't worry about how you win. Don't worry about how you advance. Just make sure you win. Win at all costs. We're told that the only way to live is to follow your gut and do what makes you happy. You do you. You just, you make sure that you are good, that you're happy. And while these are simply philosophies that the world pushes upon us, we're hit with them constantly. But that's not even to mention the perverse sin that exists within our world, the addictions that exist within our world, the selfishness that drives most people. That is the fuel that pushes so much of this filth. It's all out there. And church, we can't avoid it. You you can't take another path. You've got to walk on this dirty road. And Jesus says, because you do so, I'm here to wash your feet. I'm here to knock that dirt off when you come. I'm willing to do that. I can do that because I know this world is a dirty mess but I came as the savior of this messy, dirty world. That's who I am. That's what I do. So for those of you who have received this beautiful, beautiful gift of salvation through your faith in me, all you need to do is occasionally wash your feet. So the question becomes then, right? How do I wash my feet? How do I let Jesus Wash the dirt off my feet. I I, I don't want to walk around with dirty feet. What do I do? Well, the answer is found in a unique spot. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Now, I, I will tell you right off the bat, this is a passage that's talking about husbands and wives. Paul is addressing husbands and wives, but the way he's doing it is so beautiful. He's addressing husbands and wives in the context of how Jesus loves his bride, the church. So since he is the epitome, he is the example, we can learn from this. So in it, though, in verse 26 specifically, we're going to see, I think, how Jesus washes our feet. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is not a marriage talk, but that is a great, great motto. Husbands, try to love your wives the way that Jesus loves the church. But look specifically what Jesus does for his bride, for the church. He loves her, gave himself up for her to make her holy, to allow her to be set apart, to allow her to be different, to allow her to not carry the filth of this world. He did this to make her holy, and he does it by cleansing her, by the washing with the water through the word. So how does Jesus Wash our feet. He's not physically there to do it. How does he do it? He does it through the washing with water through the word. The word of God is the water through which Jesus cleanses us, through which he washes our feet. I've always, 
always, always wrestled with this fact. Why have I been told since the day one of walking into a church, day one of starting to institute my relationship with the Lord, why is it so important to be in the Bible every day? I've always wondered the why, and I think this finally gives a good reason for the why. It's because through reading the word, God washes you. Jesus purifies his bride, the church, by washing her with the word. We can use the word of God daily to knock the dirt off our feet that we pick up just because we do life. We see God's word in several different ways, okay? And, and all of these are somewhat justifiable, but maybe you've heard this, maybe you've used this term, maybe you believe this. We see the Bible or the word of God, it's a, it's a good book. It's the good book. It's a roadmap to life. It's a rule book. It's got a bunch of things I can and can't do in there. Some think it's God's love letter to his children. To some, it contains the very words of life, absolute truth. To others, it's legalistic writings of dead guys that has no relevance for today's life. And for some, it's no different than any other ancient religious text. How you see the word of God matters. How you apply the word of God to your life matters. And at some level, you know, the Bible can be seen in all of these ways. But, but, what makes the Bible so special is the fact that truth is contained within it. Absolute truth. Absolute power is contained within its words. The truth has power to provide solution for the dirt in our life, some of which we don't even know we've stumbled into. How many of us are walking with filthy feet and we don't even know it? We don't have a clue because we don't know what the word of God says. Contained within the pages of your Bible is the most beautiful picture, this perfectly balanced picture of grace and works. And it takes a little bit of both, but we have to know how to divvy them out. And the word of God tells us that. It tells us very clearly all throughout scripture, Genesis to Revelation, we can't clean ourselves up. We need God to do that for us. You cannot clean yourself up. Behavior modification does not deal with the heart condition. That is grace. We can't clean ourselves up. God has to do that for us. That's grace. But we can position ourselves before God to allow him to transform us from the inside out, to do his work. The knocking off of the dirt is one of those processes that he wants to do. That's our work. It's the positioning ourselves before God so that he can do his work. He can show us his grace. When we open our Bibles, and I pray, church, that as you're listening to this, you're not cringing, going, I haven't opened the Bible in forever. I still don't understand the Bible. I don't really want to read the Bible. I don't really want to listen to the sermon anymore. I, I get that. I get, I get why you might be feeling that way. But when we open our Bibles, we're literally positioning ourselves before God to do the inside-out work of cleansing our lives. Every time we open it, every time we open it, He is Allow, we are allowing him to come begin and do the work. The word of God reveals the sin in our life. It points to us. It points to us the sin and it points us to the one who can purify, forgive, and cleanse that sin. There are many reasons why people don't read the Bible. 
It's intimidating and hard to understand. There's many tools out there and resources that can help with that, but I get it. Just open up in the middle of it and try to figure out what Jeremiah is talking about. It's intimidating. It's hard to understand. I get that. For some of us, it's laziness. Just don't put in the time. Don't put in the effort. Don't put in the work. For others, it's busyness. So it's not that you're lazy. It's that you're so busy that that gets put on the back burner. It's not prioritized. But here's the scary thing. Here's the scary thing for me. And I've seen this time and time and time again. Many people don't read the Bible because they got into reading the Bible and they didn't like what it said. They don't like the dirt that's being called out in their life. They don't like having that conviction upon their hearts. So what do they do instead of dealing with that conviction, instead of dealing with what the Holy Spirit's clearly trying to teach them and show them, what they do is they just close it and they never go back. Some actually take that a step further. They try to twist what the Word of God says to fit their life. They try to change it and transform it to fit the dirt that's in their life to make that justifiable. And then they still close it. To ignore the Word of God for any reason is to ignore the very words of life, the words that allow sin to be identified and dealt with. It's all in there. The words that guide us towards holiness in Christ Jesus. I would say that it's nearly impossible for you to open your Bible to the book of John, chapters 13 through 17, and not see your incredible need for the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus cleansing and purifying and showing you a truth. You you need the Holy Spirit in this life. You, You can't walk it alone. I would say you can't read the book of 1 John and not be shown how important it is to love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And and maybe, maybe you know that you have a beef with a fellow believer and that's dirt that you've picked up on your feet just because of life, for whatever reason. I don't need to know the circumstances. You've picked up that dirt. The word of God says you need to deal with that. But instead of allowing it to be cleansed off, instead of allowing it to be washed with the water of the word, you, you instead go, eh, I, I don't want to deal with that right now. I would bet you any amount of money you want to bet that you cannot read the book of James this week. It's only five chapters, real short, real easy to understand. But I would bet you any amount of money you cannot read the book of James this week and not be moved, not be encouraged to look at some of the dirt in your life. Maybe it's how you speak, it's your language, that's in there. Maybe it's your tendency to show favoritism to people, which is not godly, and you'd be convicted of that. Maybe it's how you fail to do what the word of God says. You, you read that in there, it's like, I listen to it, I see it, but I don't, I don't do anything with it. Maybe you'd be convicted by that. The importance of living out your faith and not just saying that you have faith. You would be hard-pressed to read the book of James and not be convicted by that dirt. That Hey, I, it's one thing to say, I believe, it's another thing to live it out Not taking tomorrow for granted, but living for today. That's a big one. The power of prayer in chapter five. You'd be hard pressed, hard pressed not to be moved by that, compelled to address the dirt in your life just by reading the book of James. Church, we all wear sandals and we all walk on dirt roads. That's just who we are. It's what, Our life is. The word of God allows us to knock that dirt off our feet. But we can only do that once we're already clean. 
We, we don't need to worry about our feet until we've taken that bath, until we've placed our full faith in Jesus Christ. But if you've done that, and that's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, if you've made that decision, then all you have left to do, according to Jesus, is occasionally wash your feet. And the best way to do that is by opening the word of God. Look, it's a holiday week. I get it. Relax, rest, celebrate. All those things are good. But also, open your Bible. Open up the word that is the water that God uses to wash us, to cleanse us. Because some of you, you got some dirty feet. You got some dirty feet. But the good news is, Jesus is ready to wash them. He's willing to bend down and wash your feet because he loves you and he cares for you. And all he wants you to do is position yourself in a way that he can do that, that he can move. So Father, today, as we hear your word and hopefully respond to it, I pray that you would allow us to see the truth that is your word, the importance of opening our Bibles and, and positioning ourselves in front of you so that you can do your work of grace and transformation within us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your son Jesus would be enough, would be enough for us. We'd, through our faith in him, we would desire that holiness and that righteousness that he gives and that we would walk with him, purified in our hearts and our minds and our souls by you, and washed in the water of your word. We need you, Jesus. So come and show us the importance of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.